Blake Gosling. This podcast is brought to you by Blake Gosling, Rochelle, and Townsend in Austin, Texas. Blake Gosling is a 30 attorney firm in Austin, Texas, specializing in natural resources, energy, litigation, and employment law. My name is Brandy McCarns, and I am the firm's marketing coordinator. Our purpose with this podcast is to talk with some of our practice area experts about timely topics and trends in a more informal setting and in a way that we hope can be a little fun and informative to our listeners. Today, we're mixing it up a little bit, and I will be hosting today's episode because today we will be talking to Lauren Kalashek, our firm's managing director. Lauren, you usually help with hosting these podcasts, so thanks for switching and letting us visit with you today. Let's start with you introducing yourself and your areas of expertise. Thank you so much, Brandy, and thanks to you for hosting today as well. You're usually working the magic behind the scenes, so it's kind of fun being a part of this podcast so our audience can hear you as well. So thanks so much for all the work that you're doing on these series with us. So I am in my 26th year of practicing law. I'm a native Texan. I grew up in Houston. I went to UT, the University of Texas undergrad in law school. And really throughout my career, since I've started practicing in the mid-90s, I've served as general counsel and special counsel to water authority districts across the state of Texas that are primarily engaged in public water supply and waste. It's been a really interesting practice. I've really enjoyed it. And like I said, it's statewide. I've really had the privilege of working and supporting with so many great utilities across the state. And that's been really meaningful to me. Part of this practice has required that I know the regulatory and environmental laws that govern the provision of water and wastewater service to the public, but it's also meant that I need to be familiar with laws that also govern the public entities themselves in terms of how they are operated, things like open government requirements, ethics and conflicts for public officials and that type of thing. Because a lot of the entities that I work with are considered local governmental entities under state law, and they have boards that are either elected directly by the public that they serve, or they're appointed by uh, wholesale customers that they serve, that type of thing. So it's a really interesting practice that kind of meshes environmental public utility law along with ethics and governance and, and public official issues. So it's been a really challenging and enjoyable practice for, I guess, over two decades or so. That does sound very interesting. And also, I'm sure we'll get a little bit more into this, knowing that that is the topic for today, ethics and leadership in challenging times. Can you just tell us a little bit more about that, Lauren? Sure. So yeah, kind of what I was thinking to do with the podcast today or what to talk about today meshes a lot with what a lot of people are thinking about lately in terms of the best way to manage things during this extraordinary year that we've all been living through. And this is especially true for local public officials, leaders of water utilities, but it's also really true for any organization, you know, even our own law firm. Any organization, whether you are a public water supplier, a law firm, uh, any other type of local government, for-profit business, we've all been dealing with the pandemic, with, you know, the fallout from a really divisive federal election, you know, the attack on the Capitol earlier this year. And then now in Texas, and I'll note we're taping this in early March, so we're just now coming out of the winter storm event from February 2021. 
So all of this has really almost been just too much, right? There's just been a lot coming at us and, and it's really changed the way people are living right now, the way that we're doing business. Um, and so to a large extent, you know, we've adapted and, and we've managed, but it's just been a lot of incoming in a very short period of time of a single year. And it's really, in my mind, raised this issue of what are the key things to focus on that help us deal with these types of situations with really working in these challenging and unusual times? And one thing that really strikes me is what I think gives us comfort through all of this upheaval is that we all tend to focus on, and you see the stories throughout this past year of people rising to the occasion and taking on the challenge and acting in the right way and in the ethical way. So all of the stories about certainly medical professionals working long hours, public utility workers working in the snow and the sleet and the ice, really just people going the extra mile to serve their communities. And we see this as an ethical response, right? We see this as responding in the right way. And those stories help all of us, I think, reduce our own anxiety and create more of a sense of things being under control, that this feeling that there are still some things that I can depend on, that I can still depend on members of my community stepping up and acting in a way that supports our community and demonstrations of that ethical behavior. And really, it's that desire for ethical behavior that's led to a lot of the laws that govern so much of what we do and especially with regard to public officials and the provision of, of public services. And you did touch on it a little bit here, but when you do mention ethics or ethical behavior, can you give a little bit more in terms of what that meaning is for our audience and listeners? Sure. So when we talk about ethics, it really kind of encompasses perhaps three principles or, or three defined terms. And sometimes folks use these terms interchangeably, but it, and it's because they all really kind of work together. But here's a way to think about it. So you have the concept of values. Let's start with that. Values is kind of the baseline. Values are a set of individual beliefs that motivate people to act one way or another, and they serve as a guide for human behavior. So for example, I may value individually honesty. I may value being comfortable in my home with the heat and the power and that type of thing. So those are values of things that motivate us to act and things that we appreciate. And like I said, they prompt human behavior. The second concept is morals. So it's those values driving that behavior. Morals then are the prevailing standards of behavior that enable people to live cooperatively in groups. So we as a community come together, we live in groups, because a lot of times we have a common set of values. Those translate then into morals that are established standards of behavior in that group that's living together as a community. And then finally, ethics is layered on top of both of those concepts because they really are specific rules and guidelines that establish what conduct is right and wrong for individuals and groups based on those values and morals. So ethics, when codified in law, you could say identify specific conduct that reflect our shared values and morals. So just kind of in thinking about it in terms of then applying it to local government officials 
And when I say local government officials, I'm really talking about, like I said before, elected leaders of our governmental institutions and even public administrators, you know, those folks like executive administrators, general managers that are charged with then implementing policies that are set by the boards of directors or leaders that for whom and with they work. So all of those folks kind of in the framework established under Texas law, you know, work within these ethical guidelines that really reflect a fiduciary duty to the community for which they work. It's a unique position of public trust, and it reinforces that social compact, you know, that our governmental institutions are there to work for us and support us and support our community. And so I think probably the key values and morals that apply here when we're talking about local governmental entities and how local governments act ethically really fall into three key categories for the values. For the values, it's integrity is very important, transparency, and trust. And so those shift over then into the morals that go along with those values, you could say, that they translate into, we expect our public officials do not profit from their positions. We have an expectation that public officials treat members of the public fairly and equitably. And we have an expectation that public officials place the good of the community ahead of their own individual self-interest. Those are the underlying principles then that support the laws and the regulations then that I have to interpret in advising my clients and those local governmental entities, like I said, that are providing water and wastewater service to the public. And we definitely saw a lot of that this year and last year as well. When you think about those concepts of morals, the values and ethics, you did talk about how that does translate a tad into the laws that are being made nationally, statewide. How is it impacting the work of the public officials? Can you give a little bit more detail on that? Sure. So, you know, we can trace back They shared values and morals and how they translate into ethics laws, really in the history of the state of Texas. If you go back and you look at early Texas constitutional provisions, even before Texas was its own country, and even when it was a state in Mexico back in 1824, if you look at the Mexican federal constitution that applied to the land that we now know as Texas. There were provisions that prohibited bribery and corruption by public officials. These same principles were carried forward into Texas state constitution itself and then certainly into current laws that we now have to follow. And, you know, there's a lot of colorful Texas history in regard to ethics scandals and things that we've seen play out over the years, over the course of time. I think one of the more interesting ones is when you go back and you look at the impeachment of one of our governors in the early 20th century, Governor Paul Ferguson was elected governor in 1914, and he got in trouble for misappropriation of state funds, and he transferred some funds from the state to his bank to pay off some private debt, but he was eventually impeached for abuse of power and official oppression. Again, those are a couple of the values that and expectations that we have as a society, right? We don't expect our public officials to abuse their power or to use their office in a way that oppresses others. So based on the laws that were on the books at that time, Governor Ferguson was impeached and 
specifically for the issue that he had vetoed funding to the University of Texas and demanded that the university fire professors that were politically critical of him because they had been critical of him for you know, the misappropriation of state funds. So there's a whole long drama and saga there about his impeachment that really wraps in some of these ethical standards. But in true Texas fashion, and I think this is what makes it so interesting too, is that his wife, even though he's impeached, his wife goes on to serve as governor from 1924 to 26, and then again from 1933 to 35. So the voters of Texas didn't hold it against him so much that his wife wasn't able to hold office then in later years. There's uh, ethical conundrums that have come up in the past that have led to specific laws being passed. In the 1980s, also in the 20th century, the Speaker of the House, Billy Clayton, was embroiled in what was known then as the Brylab scandal, which was an FBI corruption investigation in Louisiana and Texas. However, Speaker Clayton was acquitted of the federal charges by a Texas jury. But out of that experience, Speaker Clayton became the champion for ethics reform legislation the following sessions. Some of the laws that we still adhere to today came out of that scandal and experience. So, you know, lots of things there that really shape that history there and our shared values shape what our public officials have to follow today. And you can definitely say that those are some learning moments, right? (laughs) Yes, exactly. And so just to add on to that, what are some of the most important ethic laws public officials need to be aware of today? Sure. So I kind of like to group them in my own mind in three major categories. The first are the core ethics laws. Those within that category, you see things like statutes against nepotism, statutes against bribery, statutes governing the provision of gifts to local governmental officials, and then statutes prohibiting abuse of office. So those are kind of some of the core ethics laws. The second big category that uh, local governmental officials have to be aware of and conform to are conflicts disclosure laws. These are laws that don't necessarily prohibit specific action, but they really are about transparency and are about uh, making the public aware of the potential for conflicts uh, between the business of a local entity and then perhaps, you know, the, the person serving as that local governmental official. So under the conflicts disclosure laws, we do have state law provisions that do identify when a public official should abstain from voting on a specific issue, and that's Chapter 171 of the Local Government Code. There are also vendor disclosure requirements under Chapter 176. And in addition, there is what's known as uh, House Bill 1295 interested person contract disclosures whenever an entity is starting to enter into a contract with a local governmental entity, there are certain disclosure requirements that need to be made. So those are kind of the nutshell of the conflicts disclosure laws. And then finally, the third big category, I would say, are sunshine laws. And those are really, again, about transparency, about making the public aware of the workings of the governmental entity. 
And those are the provisions that a lot of folks are familiar with under the Open Meetings Act and the public information under the Open Meetings Act. Of course, those are that's the act that identifies and requires entities to conduct their business in public at open meetings, and they can only go into closed sessions under very specific limited circumstances. And then under the Public Information Act, you know, within the state of Texas, we really have this broad presumption that written documents, electronic information, most of the information that is maintained by our governmental entities is public information and should be viewed as public information and only can be withheld from the public, again, under very limited specific circumstances. And even if you're a governmental entity wanting to withhold information for, you know, could be a valid reason, homeland security, for example, or or something like that, you would still need to request approval from the AG before you withhold that information. I think a lot of times people aren't aware of that broad presumption that if all this information is public, the public entity can't withhold that information on its own. It's got to specifically request authorization from the attorney general in order to do that. So it's a pretty robust area that we have to work in and that public entities have to follow. These two acts, the Open Meetings Act, Public Information Act, under this category of sunshine laws, provide a robust area of transparency for our public entities and also create a lot of work to make sure that our public entities remain in compliance uh, with these important laws. And so just taking all of this in and applying it to the current events we're living in now, early March 2021, what is the overall takeaway? Right. That's a really good question. I mean, and I think the point that I'm trying to make here, I guess, is things seem so crazy right now. We're all dealing with so much You know, I'm kind of talking about this in the context of my practice and supporting local governmental entities. But like I said in the beginning, this could apply to really any organization. And I think my key message or takeaway that I'm trying to convey is that now is a good time to really think about and remember what keeps us together as a community, whether it is our state and local governments whether it is the business in which you are working, whether it is the law firm that Brandy, you and I work with, all of those are communities. And those communities, those organizations come together based on shared values, common morals that then translate into ethics and ethical behavior. So we have this really good foundation that helps us as these communities, as these organizations come together to deal with these significant challenging times that we find ourselves in. And so really maybe a way to think about it is that ethics are based on our core societal values about government. And these values include integrity, trust, transparency, And just as they have in the past, you know, we talked about that a little bit, some of the historical examples, but just as they have in the past and as they are now, and they will in the future continue to serve as a guide in challenging times and a comfort in challenging times. And so that's really kind of what I wanted to reflect on and and think about and was kind of in the forefront of my mind over the past year for sure. 
And thank you for sharing that. It's nice to have, you know, those examples to look back on and see where we're going now for the future and hope for the best. And so with sharing a little bit of your knowledge and expertise, do you have any resources that you would recommend to our listeners or if they want to go into a deeper dive on the topic, is there anything that they could look up or read on? Sure. I mean, a couple of things that I've keyed in on is over the past year, there's a great website through the UT McCombs School of Business Center for Leadership and Ethics. Their program is called Ethics Unwrapped, and it has a bunch of short videos and glossaries and explanations just on the topic of ethics in organizations. It's through the business school, you know, it's geared toward for-profit business, but it really translates into any organization. And so folks can access that just by Googling ethics unwrapped University of Texas, and that'll pop up. It's got some fun short videos and interesting reading material that you can do a deeper dive into. Personally, I'll just give a shout out to, I've enjoyed recently reading a biography, a great biography of Barbara Jordan. She's historically a leader in the field of ethics for public officials in the 20th century in Texas. Her biography by Mary Beth Rogers has been pretty inspiring and and brought me some comfort through these challenging times and is a good recommendation for that as well. And then finally, You know, certainly we always encourage folks to subscribe to Lloyd Gosling's newsletter list because we do try to keep our clients and our colleagues and and our newsletter subscribers updated on the laws governing public officials. And especially now, you know, 2021, we're in a legislative session. We've already seen a few bills filed on the topic and we'll see what shakes out at the end of session and we'll be keeping people updated on that. So that would be another good, a good thing to do if if you want to remain updated on these issues. Absolutely. And our Lonestar Current that will be coming out definitely gives a lot of information on that. Our various attorneys, yourself, Lauren, as well. And so as our listeners are hearing us today, go ahead, email us at editor at lglawfirm.com if you would like to be subscribed to our newsletters. And of course, if you have any suggestions or topics that you would like to hear from our podcast, we are more than happy to take that into consideration. But Lauren, I do want to thank you for your time today. This was a really great, interesting topic, and we will see everyone next time. If you would like more information about what you've heard today, please visit lglawfirm.com. You can also find us at Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views, nor are they endorsed by Lloyd Gosling Law Firm. None of this content should be considered legal advice, as one should always consult a lawyer. This podcast is not intended for commercial purposes and is made available at no cost. Music for the podcast is from album Jazz U and is titled By the Coast 2004-2007 by Anthony Brzezikov. License under the attribution non-commercial share-alike license is available on Free Music Archive. To learn more, visit by clicking the link in today's summary.